Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Welcome back to the podcast live. It's been a long time. I know I took a little bit of a break there because you know what? The algorithm wasn't being nice, but I said, you know what? I have some time today. I want to shoot the shit. I want to get back to my roots here. So let's bring my guests on. Let's start this party here. Let's bring everyone in. Here we go. We are back on the podcast live with some of my favorite people, some folks that you may recognize. We got Joel and Liam in the house and we have a newcomer, Aaron. Welcome to the podcast. <clears throat> What hey, is that? Awesome to be here. Thank you so much. Well, why don't you give everybody a quick intro? Tell us who you are and what you do best. Ooh, ladies first. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Always. <laughs> right on. I'm Erin Riska. I am, uh, let's see, solopreneur ordinaire, uh, just a recruiter out here working remotely uh, under my own banner, search and rescue, working with a few companies around the world to uh, hire great talent. And uh, also, you know, regularly running my mouth on LinkedIn. So really happy to be here with you dudes today. Aren't we always all running our mouths here on LinkedIn? And you guys know uh, Liam and Joel down below. I don't think these gentlemen need any introduction, but um, let's start with Thanks. Liam for a moment. Liam, what, what's happening in your world, in your life? What's what's good, good the bad and the ugly? Oh man, uh, first of all, it's, it's good to, to see you back live, uh, touching back at the roots. I like, the, I dig in the new music too. Uh, it's old. Things are good. Um, you know, I, uh, I've been busy. I've been sort of pivoting into a little bit more of an employer branding and marketing focus at my, at my job. So, uh, it's a little bit less on sort of the, uh, outbound recruiting front and more on the employer brand side of things. And that's a lot of fun for me. Um, so that's going well. Um, things are going well at our company. Uh, things are going well at home. Generally speaking, I'm, I've been on a health kick. I've been, I've been walking three miles every day and, uh trying to lose some weight trying to lose the lbs so things are good i'm feeling positive these days nothing nothing is going to make you motivate you to lose weight than putting on your hoodie and being (laughs) like fuck i you know i i this is not fitting me so well no i mean having to buy the double xl hoodie was kind of the turning point for me i was like i I didn't have a problem being extra large, but I have a problem being extra, extra large. It's a terrible, it's a terrible moniker, but it, it's actually effective at motivation. You, you definitely, you definitely want to do that. And, and while we're on the topic here, let's, I mean, I think employer branding is interesting and it was a natural career progression for you and you're accelerating at it. Um, what has been a challenge for you, Liam, that something maybe you, you had an, a preconceived notion of or something you were going to bring to the table that just couldn't operationalize or it just doesn't make sense in execution? I think it's, I mean, a lot of it is how noisy it is out there, right? And, and mm. I think the other thing is, is uh, posting on behalf of a company page is very different than posting on behalf of Liam, the random LinkedIn nerd, right? So 
just be starting to get familiar with like the way that we talk about ourselves as a business. Like there's more brand guidelines, there's ideas, there's ways that people want to see us projecting our brand out there. Right. And so um, you have more stakeholders now. It, it was just, I'm used to just writing whatever I want and it's like, okay, well now I got to like think more strategically. And, and, and so that's been an adjustment, but it's certainly been something that's been, been fun to learn. And it's interesting too. I take a look at what Joel's doing and he's doing an amazing job with branding on, on behalf of his personal brand for his organization. And Joel, you're out there, you know, recruiting, trying to get recruiters, correct me if I'm wrong, R to R search that you're doing and just general awareness for hire well. And you do it in a little bit a different way and you're continuing to put yourself out there. But what's a recent mistake that you think you made? Recent mistake. Joel it's called mistakes. Joel doesn't make those. <laughs> Joel doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> mistakes are just steps that you kind of slip on. Look, I, I, I actually don't know what you're talking about. I make so many <laughs> mistakes because I don't really, I don't really know like what, I, what I'm doing. But I think that this. Well, that's part like, of the brilliance I, of what you do. That you, you. Sorry, that's bullshit. You, you know exact. You are <laughs> methodical. You're up early. I know exactly what you're doing. I know when you pulled back on the memes and then you throw one in. And you're just doing it to just show everybody who's boss that you're the mean king. <laughs> okay, look, it's funny though. This this whole conversation, I actually did a talk on this with this company called JobSync, and I think there's a delineation that needs to take place between recruitment, rec like recruitment, personal branding, and employer brand. And what happens is, it's like companies that do it really, you know, that that they go, okay, you've got to stay in line with our employer brand. And they fail to recognize that like just a recruiter building their personal brand, it's different. Just like a salesperson building their personal brand, right. there's elements of traditional marketing, but it's not your marketing team. It's it's two different things, you know? So I think uh, to Liam's point, it is a challenge. Like I think when it comes to personal, uh, sorry, when it comes to employer branding, it's a lot more of that, you know, traditional marketing You've got to keep things on brand. You've got to talk like the company. But recruiters that build their personal brands, like Amy Miller, for example, she has a yeah. huge edge. And I think that companies, you've got to recognize that if somebody's building a personal brand, don't hamper it in there. Don't get the employer branding team in there going, well, you shouldn't say this because it doesn't sound like our brand. you got to let your people be your people. and um, Trust them. Trust them. And like, trust them, trust them and be okay if like they do step outside that employer brand because that will actually show that you are okay with your people being your people. And that's a big deal now. That is a big deal. And I think people <laughs> notice that. And Aaron, just like myself, we are we are hired guns. We are independent recruiters out there. Um, what's your journey been like in, in continuing to establish and build your brand? Because like me, what you see is what you get. My yeah. brand is me. It's NHB Talent Group. It's a <laughs> podcast. It's probably nothing talent. Um, and my views are me, yeah, which I think is absolutely. a different point there. It is. This has actually been one of the... Uh, I don't know, it's challenges, but a fun one that I have faced because I practiced as an internal recruiter for uh, all of my, my, my professional life, you know, as an HR professional and then uh, a talent acquisition business partner. So being out here on a solo basis, working specifically for clients, that is a different animal because I don't actually like, I don't get into the employer branding stuff, right? I mean, like, unless somebody did a really deep dive, they probably wouldn't even be able to identify who my clients are because I don't put myself out there as an official representative of those companies, you know, the way that, you know, Joel does with Hirewell. So um, that has been interesting. Sometimes I kind of wish that I could just like 
throw the doors open and be like, here's who I recruit for. And I'm going to be a little bit of a mouthpiece for them. But so far, that hasn't really felt like the right approach. Right. Which what's interesting about that, too, is and I have to be very mindful because myself and the folks that work under my, my two companies, we're representing our clients in the in the in the in the market. So we have yeah. to be mindful. And that's why, like, as much as I, I snark and as much as I, you know, troll a little bit here, there in, 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 in good fun, I have to be really mindful about my brand and presence on social media. And uh -huh. I think that we, we all do. Um, Liam, is, is that is that something that you hold back on? Or do you feel like where you are at higher uh, at, um, at Willow Tree, right? Um, yep. where, where you are, you could you could truly be yourself. Did they embrace that? Did they push that? They totally embrace it. And, and I think, uh, you know, the, to the extent that I think sometimes um, we're so cautious not to have our team feel like pressured um, to post on our behalf or to post about their experience that sometimes I think people just don't even realize that it's something that's actually strategically valuable. Right. And mm. so getting people kind of out of that comfort zone where they understand that, like, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's okay to post about what you're doing at your job. It's okay to, um, you know, share your personality. I think one of the things that I've been sort of championing internally is, uh, you know, the things that make a company great within its walls, right. The, the experience that you get as an employee working at a company, uh, there's no reason not to share what happens within the walls on the outside so that people that are potentially interested in, in joining the company can, you know, uh, really get a sense for what it's like to work there. Um, and I think there are some companies that do that very, very effectively. A lot of them are SaaS companies in the, in the technology mm -hmm. space. Chili Piper is a phenomenal example mm -hmm. of a brand that has a killer employer brand. Um, but I think a lot of companies are still figuring out what that means. Like, what does our voice sound like to talent? Yeah, and it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough one too to how do you, how do you represent and how do you put it you know always always in in the best light. Um, Joel, talk to us a little bit about how your new role is going. What are you learning, and how are you, what are some of those best practices that Hirewell as a team are empowering you to best represent the brand in the marketplace? Look, I, I think you know it's interesting, Liam. You're talking about it's a challenge to obviously get people to share about the company. We do this thing where we incentivize and actually pay people to do it. So if you oh, want to really? be, nice. yeah, if you want to actually be like a, you know, an employer brand ambassador, uh, which we're not forcing people to do it. Right. They do it because they want to. They mm -hmm. then get incentivized. So I'm paid to do the content that I put out there. Imagine that makes it a lot easier. Imagine that's your actual. Oh, yeah. That's like it's, it's, instead of paying for like a paid ad, they're yeah. paying me to be the ad, right? So so yes. I think that. That shows like you actually value it, first of all, because I think if you're just asking people to do something for free, it's never, that's why unless you just love it, which I would do it for free, side right, note, because right. I enjoy it. But unless you really like enjoy it, maybe you're like, hey, I just don't have the time, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So incentivize. And then the so, other thing that we do is we talk about it. Like we have a once a week meeting where we discuss what's what's going on in the marketplace. What could we talk about? And then we like assign topics to people and people work together. So like you that. create the conversation. So it's like we actually have strategy behind it. So yep. we go, hey, we talked to 10 of our clients this week and they're struggling with. Here's what we're hearing. This. Exactly. And then so it's like and then and then we look at it and go, OK, well, maybe Joel could do a poll on this or maybe he could do, you know, like a meme video or something. So I what, love what, that. So what comes to mind is, I mean, that really is all about employer branding strategy. And I've noticed that because I follow so many members of the higher 
see these things that y'all are posting around. It's clear that it is not just this sort of ad hoc, hey, if you have a moment and you feel excited, a strategy post something it. on LinkedIn. Yeah, I mean, like you guys are telling a story and you're doing it in a really crafted way. I love it. And Liam, please keep me, keep me, Liam, please keep me honest here. What I'm reading between the lines is that the only reason Hirewell hired Joel is because of his 150,000 followers, and they they did the cost <laughs> benefit analysis on 150,000 back then either. Okay? Right, but they saw that they saw where it was yeah. trending upwards, and they that's actually that's actually a brilliant move. It's almost like they hired you to be an internal influencer. But I kid, you also are a, a true recruiter at heart. <laughs> no, but that's you, you know what? When, when I talked to the intern, okay, so when I had our, when we had our company event. And I talked to the people who had just gotten hired. Look, 90% said, hey, I saw a piece of content. And then once I started following you and your internal recruiter um, reached out to me, then your my whole feed was higher well. And all the stuff you, you were saying about work-life balance, no micromanagement, no BS KPIs, I came to the company and it was true. So mm-hmm. that that's the other part of it. It's like, if you're just trying to BS an employer brand, when people get to your company... It's not going to be real. And then they're right. going to be like, this sucks. Smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Totally. You right. sold me a bill of goods. And, yeah. and, it, and it's interesting, too. And kudos to that. I mean, I do learn a lot as much as James and I and, and the guys go back and forth. And, and it's fun banter. But, like, I, I really do admire that the way that they do things there. I take a lot of those learnings the way I'm building out my practice and my company here. And it's about following people and doing things the right way. And, listen, technically speaking, we recruit in the same market. We have very similar models, too. But, like, I truly believe that in the abundance model that there's so much out there right now well, it's, it's collab over compete recruit you can't have you can't have every client in the world as a recruiter because no. who are you going to poach from so you can have all of the really crappy clients adam and <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know what i'm saying you can't you can't there's no way you can like have a market share that takes every single possible client and obviously like there's different different levels of clients like we it's it'd be hard for us to take an enterprise client like google for example that's what Ronstadt source sites for, you know, they've got their resources. Exactly. But, but I'll poach from, you know, meta and these Google all day long. Day. Exactly. So it's, I think that's what's the beauty. And that's why like being a solopreneur, there's mm-hmm. different things that you can do and help clients that maybe higher wealth can at the, at the end of the day as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm, there's a, there's a lot, I'm, I'm much more nimble. I could come in and out and, you know, of course I have NDAs and contracts with clients and I also believe in, you don't, you don't shit where you eat. Right. So you have to be mindful about where you post from and time and who those candidates are. Um, Aaron, what's one of your biggest challenges as a, as an independent solo recruiter? Oof. Um, you know, it's well, couple, but the thing that comes to mind, it's really uh, kind of a priority for me here in Q4. And it is uh, spending time on the business rather than only in the business. Funnily, I actually think a lot of solopreneurs struggle with the opposite. Um, but, but for me, like, I mean, I just love the work so much that like, I, I just want to be in it all the time. And so, you know, I don't spend much time business, putting all the form and function around it that might benefit it. You know, I mean, like as an example, y'all, I don't even have a website. Um, so fly under the radar. Fact of the matter is I literally have never needed one. I have never done any outbound marketing whatsoever. All of my business has come to me by way of inbound, um, just by way of like, you know, my reputation and that sort of thing. So I haven't necessarily had to 
spend time on the business in that way. But I'm really trying to make it a priority for Q4, right? I've been at this for like two and a half years. It's time to like grow up a little bit, make it a little more like official and stuff. So yeah. Well, that's 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 all positive things to work on and, and being able to time manage and outsource and figure out your, your approach and allocate budget for that, especially as, I mean, that's how I started. I went out on my own. And I figured I, I I knew the marketing piece behind it. I had to establish my brand and I leaned on my reputation and my contacts to build um, my business. But Aaron, let, and, and this is going to go out to the panel here because I want everyone's different perspective. I believe we have we are shifting back. The, the pendulum always goes between is it a candidate market? Is it, is it a client oh, market? Yeah. Back and forth. Yeah. And I think right now that the pendulum is is aligning much more down the middle. And I think that there's going to be this great reallocation, I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it right here on October 20th. The great reallocation where yeah. some companies are requiring or asking people to return to the office one way or another, maybe in a full capacity, maybe in some kind of hybrid. And there's folks that are going to say, screw that. I am done. I am out. And they're going to leave and go to another company that's fully remote. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see a reallocation. We're also going to see younger employees who either say, I love working remote, working from anywhere. And they're going to follow that lead. And then there are some that really say, you know what, I, I want that in-office experience. I yeah. need that mentorship. I want to learn. And, and we're talking, you know, white collar jobs here. And they're going to move to that. So I'm calling it the great reallocation. Yeah. And there's going to be a push and pull. And we're still in this gray area. Um, mm -hmm. Liam, from your perspective, what are you hearing and feeling in the marketplace? I mean, you're not a recruiter, but your finger is on the pulse and your ear is yeah. certainly to the ground. Yeah. I mean, look, I think you're, I think we're, the reallocation is, is an interesting way to put it. I think uh, we are at such a unique moment in time right now, post pandemic, where you finally have these companies that that potentially would never have considered remote work as an option prior, right? And because the pandemic was a forcing function and a, and a forcing mechanism to right. getting the job done remotely, they were pleasantly surprised that it actually could happen, right? So you've got these companies that you've got companies that are we're going back in the, I get the Goldman Sachs of the world, right? Like they're bankers, they're going back in. That's the, that's the banking way. That's fine, whatever. Then you've got companies like Willow Tree's approach is actually twofold. We have, uh, we have two employer uh, experiences, right? So we have a work from near and that model is basically anybody that works within an hour of the office um, and they can come in Tuesdays and Thursdays. And we have designated days that we want sort of folks to come in. If they're going to come in Tuesdays and Thursdays are the days, because then you don't end up just going to the office and sitting on Zoom. You got to be there for Taco totally. Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Well, I'm just making there. sure that like people are in the Thursday, office Thursday. together. I have contractors here, so I'm not in the office. Free coffee. Normally, I would be in there. Um, and then Keep you've got on. the people that are going fully remote, right? And like the people that are going fully remote, I, I personally think that there is an advantage to having that model because I think you will start getting top tier talent, right? The people that don't want to work in an office at all are going to consider those companies first. And so I think. There are a lot of executive teams right now who are having that conversation and they're saying, are we limiting ourselves by not having a remote option? And that was one of the reasons that Willowtree created the, the sort of dual uh, employee experience because you know you, you can have your cake and eat it too. There are people that do want to work remotely and there are people that want to benefit from the office culture. And so uh, if you can swing both, I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. And, and what, I'm, what I'm hearing and what I'm preaching also is, is choice, flexibility, and trust. 100%. I mean, it's not Absolutely. rocket science. I mean, listen, there's some jobs where you physically need to be in an office. Um, yeah. Joel, how, how are you staying connected to the team? You're, you're remote. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, for me, I'm a, I've been remote seven years. Okay, so I was remote at an agency seven years ago. They were ahead of the times. They were smart about it. Uh, and for me, it's always about consistent communication. So 
And you've got to be more intentional. When you're remote, you have to be intentional. And I'm an intentional person. So I'm DMing people. I'm calling people. I'm staying in contact. It's called relationship building. Mm -hmm. And all of those kind of serendipitous moments in the office, like, hey, we just ran into each other and we had a side conversation. You can replicate that pretty easily if you're intentional about it. But it takes effort. And it takes extra effort. Because in an office, you don't have to think about it. No. But I think I think what we're seeing is, to your point, there's a shift in priorities of how people view work. And companies are starting to realize you cannot treat every employee the same. And you need to see that some employees will be with you seasonally. So they might be there with two or three years. You might have some employees like the executive team that maybe they'll be there for longer and they'll be mm -hmm. more committed. And then you might have, you know, maybe a payroll assistant. They're not going to they're not going to embed in the culture the same way. And for so long, we've like kind of seen everybody as you got to be a culture fit and you've got to mm -hmm. be 100 percent committed. And I think we're just starting to see a shift. Now, does it does it matter like in terms of mission alignment and being a part of the culture? For sure. Like you want to get people who are committed. But I think if you don't see that shift, particularly with Gen Z, you're going to miss the boat big time. And you're going to realize like, hey, we, we've got to care about people outside of work. And then to, to Liam's point with the remote work, mathematically, if you open up to fully remote, mathematically you are going to have more candidates it's a clearly. talent pool of course 100%. you are i mean it would made my job so much easier in the last two years because i took away the geography of a boston-based client just been like you could only source in boston and with the traffic and understanding or take about southern california you know orange county versus la is just a nightmare and you can't recruit in that area Hey everybody, first I'd like to thank you all for spending time with me and my guest on the podcast. This show is my canvas to showcase amazing people from the world of recruiting, entrepreneurship, and leadership, and unpack their career journeys for everyone to learn from. But this show is also a business generator for me, as well as creating thought leadership and endless amazing content. And I've taken what I've learned in the past three years and over 200 recorded and 100 live shows and distilled it down into a digital playbook that I call the Pause Course. Now you could learn how I build, manage, and produce the podcast and use it to drive real business development and relationships. Today, I'm sharing all of my secrets behind the podcast, and you can get it all at thepausecourse.com. This course is for anyone, whether you're starting out or an advanced podcaster using it for B2B, a B2C, it's filled with all of my insights, learnings, tips, tricks, and templates. So get it now at thepausecourse.com and learn all my secrets. Thanks. Aaron, as, as, as someone who, who represents and works for different clients, I mean, how do you toggle that conversation with candidates? You know, so it's interesting because my clients all have different approaches, right? I've got one client, they're based in Brooklyn, where, um, I mean, it is really core to their, their, their cult uh, and to their value set that to be they in the want office. to be in the office, right? And they mm -hmm. want to bring people onto the team who feel excited about that as well. And so one thing I've found really heartening is that contrary to this refrain that, you know, like the future is remote and everything is going to be remote. Reality is having talked with a lot of candidates, a lot of people want to go to the office. Right? A lot of people are sick and tired of sitting at home on their couch totally. and some, not everybody has this or that. And they're sitting yes. at a kitchen table and like this yeah. freaking sucks. Or in your spare especially, room. especially in New York where like, I mean, real estate and space to have designated, you know, like a work station in your home, that is a luxury that many people, particularly young people, do not have. They are sick of looking at the four walls of their house. Or their they roommates. Go to the office. 
yeah, they want to go to the off where the good snacks are, where, you know, the view is amazing, all that good stuff, right? So occasionally we do run into um, people who would prefer to work remotely. I had a gal who we were like on the verge of an offer and she's like, yeah, you know what? I live in New York, but I'm working remotely. Ultimately, she chose another role. It didn't really have a whole lot to do with that, but, you know, it's, it's interesting, but um, I will say this is a tech company and they're really trying to scale their engineering organization mm-hmm. in the U.S. And they absolutely are hindered in doing so by this preference for people who will at least work hybrid because a lot of the engineers they talk to say, hey, I just want to work remotely. And, and mm-hmm. that does cause a bit of conflict. Well, while we're on this topic, let's take a question from Micah Clay here asking, uh, do you guys foresee a long-term impact to a company culture for the fully remote companies? Um, this is this is an interesting one here. And, and I see a lot of companies that were remote. My hot take on this, there's a lot of companies that were fully remote before the pandemic and they had the culture thing down there. And it's also about how do you define culture? Because culture for me, and I say it's all the time, it's not ping pong, cold brew on tap, you know, thirsty Thursdays. For me, culture is do you feel valued within an organization? And do I have a clear career path in front of me? Um, Liam, what's your take on Micah's question here? I, mean, I think it's a great question. I, I think, uh, you know, you hit the nail on the head with the companies that have established remote work. Uh, historically, prior, prior to the pandemic, they probably have from been operating under a certain culture, quote unquote. Um, so there's not much change there. But I think it's definitely a lot of change. And I think you, you, you know, I don't know about y'all, but like for me in my twenties, like I couldn't imagine working from home remotely a hundred percent of the time. Like how do you build relationships with people? I mean, with Joel it talks about intentionality and getting people into, you know, when you're working remotely, having to get those sort of manifesting that serendipity on your own. Um, but it's hard to do that if you don't know anybody. I mean, I'm, I'm 39 years old. I've got 20 years in business and I certainly don't feel like I love working remotely a hundred percent of the time in a new company because it's like, you just don't feel like you're in the mix as much. And so mm-hmm. I think that's one of the yeah. things that is is going to be challenging. And, you know, the other thing that we haven't really talked about, which I don't know if you want to talk about or not, but like there. there is all the conversation around the, the metaverse in sort of a business environment, right? You've got all these companies that are trying to figure out how to make it so that you're not always on a Zoom and you're not always in Slack, but like you can be in some other type of collective experience together oh. from a remote it's, environment. It's definitely, it's definitely a place that we want to keep an eye on. That's yeah. a mind so bender. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's crazy. right now with that, with that technology. And like, I think like when you look at like, even I just think of like video game graphics, like yeah. 10 years ago, they sucked. And we, yeah. but we thought they were amazing. Like I remember GoldenEye when it came out, I was like, Oh my God, this is like real life. Oh, I mean, bond, of course. Yeah. I mean, remember that? And it was like yeah. first action video games. And then it's like, but now that's what we're seeing with the metaverse. So yeah, it's like it kind of looks like Fortnite it's early right stage, now, you know. But yeah, totally. ten years from now, you're probably gonna we're, have like holograms and all this like and, stuff where you can feel like you're part actually in the office. And it's yeah. such an interesting, it's such an interesting piece too because we are literally in the in the first app out of the first inning in the metaverse, and all the people that are shitting on it. Hey, what do you think the internet was? Go back twenty years and look at yeah. the AOL home screen and Prodigy. I will say though, the marketing within the NFT and the metaverse space or whatever is complete garbage. They just we, do. They just are so bad agree. at talking about it. You know? Agree. Like, we can, All we can, I hear is people talking Adam about Adam needs it. to recruit some marketers for him. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I that's what we're doing in the Web three recruiting and, and following the path here, and that's a, that's that's totally a topic here. But we only have a few more minutes here. So I want to do a couple of hot takes around the room. Aaron, when I say quiet quitting, what's your hot take? Uh, 
you know, I come at it from the uh, the performance management perspective. And from the moment I heard it, I thought, you know what? That's the three on the four point scale meets expectations. What the hell are you paying people to do? Show up and do their job. You want more? Ask them to do more. Pay them more. Reward them. Quiet quitting like that's doing your damn job. Joel? I'm all about quitting in general. Quick, quiet, whatever. Like you want the hell out. People, you want people to stop stop quitting and then like keep them engaged. You know how yeah. to engage them. Keep yeah. like you said, build culture, a clear career path. And then, you know, just you know, in- integrating people. It's exactly what you define culture as basically. Making sure they got a clear career path and man, that noise that Liam's got in the background is really uh, throwing me off. But anyway, never <laughs> That that's me? my take. No, that's that's I hear uh, Aaron's in a shared workspace. I think they're tell him to be quiet. Liam, quite Shut quite up. quitting. What's what's your what's your point of view on quiet Look, quitting? I think it's I think it's great that we're having a conversation. Mm-hmm. I, I suspect that quiet quitting as a as a name was sort of something that started from people that were anti working remotely who are, you know, less confident in their ability to manage their teams effectively mm-hmm. so that they can measure the output, right? Um, and that's the, that's the people that I think are are speaking about quiet quitting as vociferously as you you hear. I personally think it's an important conversation to have because I think that the traditional sort of line manager, where it's like you're just you know you're in the office and so you're assuming the people are at their desk working, but you're not sitting over their shoulder and you're not measuring how they're working. Like it, 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 in order for people to stop quiet quitting, you have to get managers that want to actively lead and actively engage and measure output of their teams. And I think that if there are environments where that's not happening and they're like, oh, the team's just going to, you know, coast along. It's like, okay, well, then your leadership team, it's, it's, it's on them to mm-hmm. motivate them and encourage them and get them feeling amped up about what you're building. Right. And, and if you do that, you don't have to 100%. worry about quiet quitting, period. It doesn't matter where they're located. Yeah, quiet, quiet quitting. I mean, back in my day, I just we called it phoning it in, mailing it in, yeah. or yeah, just do, totally. or just doing doing it's doing the concept. It's not a new concept. They're no, they're just putting not. just putting skin on it. But ultimately, I feel like people are just fed up with with not feeling value. But then I kind of have this weird. I mean, this is pause off the cuff here. Oh man, I I kind of I, I kind of just feel that there's a lot of folks out there that like the the remote. There are people that embrace work from home, and then there's people who are working from home, and it kind of brought out a lot of the comfort and laziness and some people really are focused when they're in the office environment. I feel like when you go into an office, you you're I'm in my I'm in my work did mode. I'm in my lazy. Work, work people. Just- <laughs> did I just did I just gaslight everybody here? Um, <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of over that. So while we're ranting here, let's 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 finish this up with some rants here. Um Aaron, what is pissing you off about LinkedIn these days? Oh, the content, it could be the algorithm, it could be the people talking about the algorithm. Um, I think I'm very clear on Luke my issues. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, we 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 don't want to, you know, we we, we don't want to go. Who Luke this guy? <laughs> yeah, that guy. No, so, what are your thoughts on Luke Matthews here? I mean, I'll I'll tag oh, him in the man. replay. You know, he's so dang good. You know, I hate him because he's so dang good. Uh, yeah, you know, he's, um, uh, he's really, really dialed into the algorithm in a way that I never will be right. I'm no good at that. Uh, stop in my strong suit. So, um, I mean, so much of what I do, um, is like, uh, I'm posting for me, right. And I hope other people like it. I would probably be a hell of a lot better off if I did make a point of posting for others, but it's not my jam. Wait, wait, let me just pause on that for one second there. And I think that's a clear delineation. I've been thinking about that too. I feel 90% of the time I'm posting 
for me and what I want to put out there versus posting what I think is going to do well on the algorithm. And I think that's where the divide is. I think there is some gray area in between where you could take your posts and kind of make it a little bit more algo friendly. But at the end of the day, it's where it's coming from. You know, what are you posting about? Do I even give a shit about a template or does it have to be optimized or all that kind of crap out there? But I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think there's a big divide on LinkedIn between the people posting about LinkedIn and selling shit about LinkedIn and LinkedIn courses and all that. And the people putting content out there for value add, education, entertainment versus I'm trying to sell you shit on LinkedIn for LinkedIn. I'm telling you, if LinkedIn went down, there'd be a lot of people out of work. Not at LinkedIn. (laughs) Joel, what's your, what's your, what's your rant and raves about LinkedIn these days? Look, what I, what I found interesting is actually on, I'm going to, I'm going to use TikTok as an example, right? Because what I found is that valuable content on that platform actually, at least from my experience, is now performing way better. So I do a lot of job interview tips and I'm noticing that those enough. videos are getting saved and saved and saved mm-hmm. because people are looking up. How do I interview? How do I look mm-hmm. at a resume? And then the opposite is true with LinkedIn. If I just post like memes about recruiting, it blows up. And so I think that's the irritation I have that like people mock TikTok and they say it's just dancing and all this sort of stuff. But valuable content is doing better over there because mm-hmm. people are going to it to search things. I don't think that's happening with LinkedIn because anytime I see someone posting something really valuable, it just bombs. And that's yep. with the exception of- It like, hurts. Now, with, the, with that being said, like I just did a post the other day that was like, here's 10 things that recruiters can do outside of recruiting so you don't have to lay them off. That post got shared a ton of times. So I, I just think that like- metrics. On the whole, I, I, I posted about it last night. This whole screenshotting and making up tweets and adding verifications and just putting agree, it's so basic. <laughs> and And you know what? Like- it's annoying and it's just stupid. Okay. And then it just, it's like, how can people literally take LinkedIn seriously? And people don't. That's go to, the, Twitter, go to Twitter and see what people think about LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, yeah they, for they, sure. sh- they shit all. The- well, it's really true because if you think about it, there's only a couple percentage of us that are actually putting out content daily. And out oh, of yeah. that percentage, there's 75% of them that are the loudest voices in the room writing the same shit. So that's all you're going to see in your feed and it's going to turn people off. And I think LinkedIn, needs to do a much better job and they try it with the creators but the problem is they're pulling in a lot of creators who are these people mm-hmm. <laughs> like pulling unique voices like pulling liam, you know right like you got to do liam the rant the rant mic is over to you my friend no i mean I, look I, I think that uh i don't even sometimes recognize linkedin anymore like i had a pretty good grasp on things back in the day and and you know like i i have you know uh my impressions are down significantly um, to the point where like, I'd rather just not see them. I want to toggle them off. Right. Like I, I don't really, that doesn't, that's not my motivator, but it is a reminder of like of how far we've fallen from the good old days. Right. And I think the other thing is, um, you know, LinkedIn, it, it's, it's like, it's like 10 years behind every other social platform. And so you've got these like posts that are like, like all these posts that we're talking about, they're like top 10 things that do this and this. Those were called listicles and they were all over the place 10 years ago mm-hmm. on Facebook and Buzzfeed made a business out of it, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. we're, we're talking about like early, early, like 2010 plays that are working on LinkedIn, yeah. but all the other platforms are like, no, like you have to be creating video and, and editing that video and putting that video out. Like it's just a different evolution. And and so I, yeah. I think it's frustrating for a lot of those, but the, the people that, have created content consistently on this platform, the changes that are that we're sort of seeing. But I think from LinkedIn's perspective, 
they're also doing as much as they can to get eyeballs on the platform and creators creating content. So you're going to see a lot of these tricks and these hacks and these games that are prominent in Twitter and Instagram social communities migrate their way over here. And, and from LinkedIn's perspective, I can kind of understand why they're like, well, I don't really care if it's if it's like that because engagement's engagement. there's tons and tons of engagement that's going to bring more people into the fray and that's what they want, right? Yeah, so they, want, they want the eyeballs. I think we're going to have to live with this for a little while as it is uh, yeah. and just kind of deal with it. Uh, or we can just be like Joel and be like, yeah, I'm pooping all over LinkedIn now. I'm hanging out on TikTok and Twitter. I got I to gotta get <laughs> back you know, to TikTok. You know what's funny though is those, those videos that I just, like I did one a day. It was a, yeah. you know, a, a video from TikTok, put it on LinkedIn. They're doing well over here as well because yeah. at the end of the day, I do. I look. I think with LinkedIn, I think the big the big thing that I have with it is like they just don't they don't like enforce this Lampod and like these other like if you the automation. Yeah. Side, That's the most frustrating piece for me. Four thousand users, like so they just don't enforce it and it's like that's what irritates me because i work hard like i work hard i'm up at 5:30 in the morning and i'm doing an hours worth of video content on you know tiktok and then i'm putting video content on linkedin i'm doing written posts on linkedin i'm doing stuff on twitter you're putting I'm the time in hard dude like and that's- then it's like some lazy person is just going to go agree value value your people and you'll find them valuable what is that yeah <laughs> I mean, I think I think we could all agree on that. I mean, there there is that on every platform. There are the cheaters, there are the hacks, and you kind of got to get over it, and you got to continue to yeah. to build your tribe. And let's call it what it is. The reason we post on any social media is for attention, and there's going to be people that try to hack the attention and get the most eyeballs. And intention goes with attention. What is your intention with your attention? And we see. I I really feel that LinkedIn has really turned into a a garage sale Craigslist page. It's this, this, everybody is selling something to everybody. They're trying to sell you. It's a cottage industry, right? Like yeah. it's, it's a definition of it. They're literally trying to sell you how to do shit on LinkedIn, on LinkedIn. Oh yeah, I will say, for sure. you, got that, you got that on like, you know, TikTok, there's TikTok coaches everywhere. And it's you like this whole, this whole coaching mentality. But the dumbest thing is you can just go to YouTube and look up all this stuff. And the reality is if you follow templates, you do not stand out. Right. Do you, it's like do you when, think it's that like, that's... Do you think that that, that that that's something that everybody experiences, or is that because we're all in the bubble? I think we're just in the bubble. Mm. I've I've seen I've seen a lot of other people's LinkedIn feeds when I used to coach LinkedIn. The I'd be like, share your screen, let me see what you see, and it was like their feed was completely different to mine. Yeah, and I'd be like, hey, if you you know you should follow Leah Turner, who you should follow, yes. you know, and it's oh, like yeah. it's, we're in the bubble. No, no, LinkedIn feeds are sure. like fingerprints, like no two are alike, right? And LinkedIn so, famous, yeah. You know, you have people talk, they have a couple, oh, I got noticed on the street. I got noticed, like, no one gives a shit. And I always tell the example too, 2000, 2019, 2019, I'm at LinkedIn Talent Connect in Dallas, Texas. Gary Vaynerchuk is on the main stage. And, and the first thing Ooh. he says, Ooh. the first thing he says, hold on, the first thing he says, he goes, everyone out here, honestly, raise your hand if you know who I am. And less than one quarter of the people knew who he was. And that's because we're in an influencer's bubble. The algorithm is putting us into, the more we engage with their content, the more we talk about them. And that's what the LinkedIn algorithm does. And they try, they try to bring in some outside things where I noticed on my feed yesterday, and I, I sent it to the guys here in our chat, my feed for the, in the evening before LinkedIn went down, um, really interesting. It was showing me just a straight feed of people who are my first connections, who they were liking and they were commenting on. So my take on that, LinkedIn was trying to show me, introduce me new things. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, like I mean, that. unfortunately, the majority of it was garbage. And I started to unfollow those people because I'm like, 
you actually like that? I know. <laughs> and it's my favorite thing to do is to unfollow somebody. To, to test that with. Right? <laughs> but that, that's, why the, that's why the algorithm on like TikTok, for example, is so good because that For You page is so smart. But even that, it's like, I don't want to see Alex Hermosi every two seconds. Like that's the guy's Cardona's cool, fault. And he's, and he's doing a good job. I get it. He's like a He's jacked. He's, he wears you tank know? tops. I, but I don't really care because it's just like, it's not telling me anything that's relevant to like recruiting or anything like that. So I don't actually care about it. But it's like, that algorithm is better. But at the end of the day, it's like, you, you just can't get away from, from trash, I've realized, on social media. Yeah, you know, I got to tell you, Go I actually it. disagree because what I've been thinking to myself recently on LinkedIn is how much I actually love my feed right now because I decided to take a really intentional approach to making sure that I was uh engaging with people whose content I really like right. so that I Smart. would see more of it, right? And so I have a really interesting sort of like dual going on because I live in Europe right now and I'm so sort of enmeshed in two different communities, this sort of like digital nomad community and then the recruiting community. So when I start my day, it's the middle of the night in the US and I'm seeing all these incredible conversations of other digital nomads all over the world. Um, and I love that. And then late, late in the day for me, when it's like midday in the US, oh, this is when I'm seeing all that amazing recruiting content and stuff. I actually am not seeing a bunch of garbage recently because I am fanatical about not engaging with it. I do not reward the bull cards so that they start showing up in my feed some more, right? No, like I think fault. a lot of people, they would be a lot fault, better man. served if they just I, I, I read a comment that Joel jumps in and then we start then we start shit talking on them for fun and all, yeah. all Joel and I want is for them to take the bait and engage with us and they <laughs> never do. Friend, I'm friends with too many trolls. I got James Hornick. I got Amy Miller. I got you. It's like, and every time we comment on stuff, it shows up even more. No, yeah, no, we're we're gonna I stop that. Crying CEOs on my on my. Uh, you desk. gotta take control. You gotta take control of your feed, and I preach this all the time. If you don't yeah. like see something, you know, uh, turn the feed there. So let's 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 wrap it up here. Um, and we'll start with ladies first. Erin, what do you, what are you most excited for as the year comes to an end and we start fresh in a couple months? Oh man, um, gosh, you know, I mean, just like some of the the, the big goals that I've got for for myself in my own business, right? You know, like. Um, I'm not a super woo person, but I do definitely believe in, in, you know, the power of kind of speaking things into existence, you know, setting a goal, open yourself up to possibility and a little bit of manifestation. So, um, I've really seen that deliver with the growth of my business. And so, um, you know, there's some kind of, some goals that I'm quietly working on trying to bring to fruition that, uh, like that, yeah, I'm really psyched about quite frankly, this is one of them. This is, I was like, you know what? how to make it a goal i need to be on a podcast next thing i know here's adam posner looking for some woman to come join you three here i am so you know and, and yeah i needed some diversity here because i always yeah. chat with these guys and and we are going to do the podcast end of the year show i'm gonna try to figure that one out and i've had these guys on for a couple of years sometimes joel's there sometimes he's not and usually we get liam in the mix so. there too but Aaron, keep keep up the good work i i know firsthand how hard it is to be a solopreneur how hard it is to Keep your foot on the business development gas, but also delivering, you know, recruiting for your, for your clients. And it's hard and you got to balance it and you got to keep going and not give up. So, Aaron, thank you so much. I want everyone who does not know Aaron to connect with her, follow her. She's awesome. Joel, Thanks. what's on the horizon there besides getting out of your guest room? <laughs> 
No, I, so hopefully here I'm going to be able to announce a couple of sponsors for the new podcast, Recruiting is No Joke, saying what? it's new. We're on like 10, episode 10. Mm -hmm. But I got uh, some really good guests as well. Got a couple of chief people officers from some prominent companies. Awesome. Got a couple of heads of talent. So rolling along with that. And honestly, like I know we're kind of facing a little bit of a tougher time, I think, for the recruiting community. Uh, but hoping to obviously just come out of this time with just stronger connections as well. And uh, yeah, just continuing to do, to do my thing. Well, yep. Growing on TikTok too. That's that's a new place to be. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some effort into TikTok. And and just a, a quick point on that. Something that I always talk about during hard times and tough times is a word that Joe Mullings, my recruitment mentor, Beacon, put into my head is the word invaluable. How do you continue to provide value to your clients and your relationships without having your hand out or asking for anything? And now we're getting into that time. So when we come out of it, just like we did in all these cycles, every these year or two cycles, you're top of mind with them. So keep that in mind um, and use your time wisely to continue to build your brand and your business. Liam, last but not least, uh, aside from getting one uh, X off your uh, tag on the back of your shirt and fitting into some of these uh, swag hoodies that we all have. I mean, I literally had to redo my closet for all the hoodies that I've accumulated. And I have some new ones that I'm going to rock soon. Yeah, where's my podcast one, by the way? Come on. Um, there'll be a merch line coming out in 2023. I have them. I just did limited runs. You've seen them all. I got three different hoodies. But we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get to that. Liam, what's cooking? You know, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm excited uh, for, so we're, we're in the process at Willow Tree of uh, sort of rebranding. Uh, my boss, Chief Marketing Officer, uh, has been working on that for some time now. So um, I'm looking forward to sort of coming out of the gates, storming out of the gates in, in the new year and, and really... Um, we're doing a lot more with podcasts. We're doing a lot more with creative. I don't know if you've seen the two weeks to better episode that I posted, but you know, we're trying to get a lot more uh, visibility into how we do the things that we do at Willow Tree uh, on LinkedIn and on other platforms like that. So uh, you might see me on TikTok at some point, Joel, but it, it, it'll probably be somebody that is better at TikTok than I am. <laughs> my, <laughs> my, I my, the value. my, 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 yeah, my yeah, tenure, but, but dude, you, you were good because the thing is, it's like, look, what you what actually doesn't win on there that I found is following the trends. Yeah, like there are people who like if you're if you're a top creator, following the trends will work for you every time. Of course. So right. what actually works is if you put frameworks together and yeah. you provide value because people are searching for help. So if you go, if you're an expert with rev rev revops or whatever yeah, yeah. you do, or yeah. employer branding, and you start creating frameworks and start talking about the stuff you know. Yeah. And then people will search that. And so it's like, I'm getting searched all the time. And then you just, you know, commit to your hashtag, whatever that is, Smart. employer branding, employer brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reality is, is there's actually a lot of people on there that don't have a following on LinkedIn that actually maybe don't know what they're talking about. And so it's easy to show up. And trust me, on my videos, if I call out a career coach, I know they go on LinkedIn to see if I'm backing it up. And then they go, oh, wow, like he might actually have some insights here. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where you can use it, you know? Well, one, one, one thing I can't believe I glossed over. Does anybody see this last night in the news um, on LinkedIn that there was a recruiter who literally said that she like blacklist somebody if they canceled day of minutes of if they got another job over an offer. And like we all we all we all swarmed all of us woke woke ass <laughs> recruiters here. And we're like, wait a minute. And the first instinct that came to my mind, I go, thank God you canceled on me. And I'm getting my time back. And, and Tell me that you took another offer, another job. Give me that half hour, yeah. 45 minutes back in my life. I was like, this is the type of shit that is putting a, 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 a black eye on the recruitment community. 
Yeah, we that's ego right fighting. there. Bullshit. Yeah. Well, well we that, bash candidates offline all the time. No, <laughs> never, <laughs> never, never, never. <laughs> but not publicly. What are we trying no. to do? You're, everybody already hates it, and I'm just kidding, by the way. Well, yeah, that's that's a good one here. So I want to I want to thank everybody for joining us um, on hey, the feed. Send me the link to that article as well. Is that on it was a post. No, no, it was a post. Yeah, yeah. I, you could search Amy Miller's uh, activity feed and, and you'll find it on on the, on that one. Amy, we love you there. Um, so much to the fact that anybody notices that I do have my world's okayest recruiter hey. mug that I absolutely love here. So. Aaron, awesome. Joel, Liam, I want to thank everyone for joining me, everyone in the feed. I hope you enjoyed it. If you're catching this on the replay, I'll probably put this out as a podcast. It's content. It's easy. I could download it and flip it into a show. Remember, you know where to find out more at thepodcast.com. Follow us on all the social media channels. Remember, take care of each other. Look out for one another and catch us next week for another great episode. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Right, well, have a good day. Bye. Wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.